Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. This show hands down could not happen without the amazing support of some incredible companies. Let's take a word from today's sponsors. With the most technically advanced barrel manufacturing techniques, state-of-the-art machinery, and an unwavering commitment to quality, Bagara has become the barrel source of numerous top-tier gun manufacturers in both Europe and the United States. Bagara is producing a full line of precision firearms engineered and built to showcase the performance capabilities of their world-class barrels. At their core, Bagara believes that a precision firearm requires not only the best components, but also an assembly process that is carried out by individuals who are the best of the best at their craft. Whether you're a backcountry hunter and want a rifle that doesn't compromise accuracy for weight, a long range competition shooter, or just looking to get started with your first rifle, Bagara has something for everyone. Head to bagara.online.com to take a look now. That's B-E-R-G-A-R-A dot O-N L-I-N-E dot com. For your skin, clothing, and gear, protect yourself and your loved ones from disease-carrying ticks and mosquitoes before your next adventure. Whether you're an expecting mother or using around your favorite four-legged friends, Sawyer has an insect repellent option to keep you protected. In fact, a 2017 study found by treating your boots and socks alone with permethrin, you can reduce your chances of a tick bite by 73.6%. Don't wait until it's too late. Head to Sawyer.com to take a look at their entire line of products. That's Sawyer.com. Something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. Well, we are live once again uh, with the one and only Dave Brinker. You are just getting back from what sounds like a pretty amazing trip to Hawaii. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, It looks like you're having fun as well up in Alaska. Yeah, two pretty much polar opposite islands, but islands nonetheless. Tell us a little bit about your trip. They both have worthy adventures to to, uh, take part in. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I was very fortunate. When I was a kid, I didn't go to Disneyland. I've never been to Disneyland. We didn't do like the traditional American vacations. Um, my parents took me to Hawaii. So I, and my grandfather was actually at Pearl Harbor when it got bombed. He, he was wow. as a, serving as a contractor in the Navy. So it, 
and my grandmother um, also used to spend every winter there. So it just kind of runs in our family. Um, and since we live on the West Coast, it's pretty easy for us to get there relatively. So I've been going my whole life and it's kind of this special place for me. Um, and this year uh, we went to a different island um, that was unbelievably amazing and not very many people go there because there's not a lot of infrastructure. But uh, caught some mahi-mahi, shot some axis deer, got some sun, drank too much, ate too much. And uh, yeah, I'm just drinking my, my goal. One of my life goals is to have a house there where we snowbird and uh, probably go there right after Christmas um, and come back maybe June-ish, early June and spend the summer and fall here and then keep doing that because i i am not a surfer but i've always wanted to like my dream is to like surf fish hunt like during the winter time would be epic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sounds pretty great i think there's i don't know if it comes full circle for me and actually dustin and i were just talking about that over coffee this morning being able to have the best of both worlds with hunting on land and also hunting in the sea and getting to like stock the freezer full of every kind of fish that we have available to us. Plus having, you know, great organic red meat. I just feel like it's such a blessing. My body feels, and maybe it's like this placebo thing, but I feel so much more like health and wholeness when I'm able to like forage and, and gather all kinds of different uh, proteins and stuff. So for um, sure. Uh, have you have you done any like diving or spearfishing or anything? So I have. Um, do you know who Kimmy Warner is? I do. She's a freaking badass. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, so I was out there a few years ago with her and a guy named Mark Keeley, who's also a badass underwater hunter. Um, and they got me all set up. We went out on a boat in this amazing place off the sea cliffs of Lanai. And uh, I I got seasick. And I wasn't able to dive. I was total. This is here's the problem. Mm. I love going out in the ocean, but my whole life I don't get pukey, but I get sick. Like I feel queasy. Yeah. I have no energy. Yeah. So this was the first time this last trip I finally figured out the combination of medicine to where I can actually enjoy it, and I loved it. And it was rough, and I did not feel queasy at all, not in the slightest. I felt great. Um, so the answer to your question is: is I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I've never actually got to fully execute on it. Now, this trip, a friend of mine over there took us again. And uh, I actually watched the kids while my wife went out with him for a couple hours and, and went spearfishing. Um, and they shot a moo, which is a prized Hawaiian fish. Um, tastes really good. Uh, he, she didn't shoot it. He did. Um, but one of my goals for being over there is to definitely learn how to do that but this is later in life after our kids are mm-hmm. out of the house or whatever, mm-hmm. but I have no desire to do it in Oregon where I live. Um, it just sounds pretty creepy to me mm-hmm. to go in cold ass water and the caves and stuff, but it's pretty badass for those that do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things I want to learn how to do it, but it's like, I don't, how, how many hobbies can my life support right now? Oh my gosh. For real. Uh, we were up here, um, in Sitka and, uh, Gabe and Dustin went out and they dove and, 
got some abalone and just were checking out all the fish and scallops. And it was just, it was pretty amazing. I was, uh, I hate water, honestly. I wish I didn't. Um, I like being on the water. That's okay. I've gotten to a place, especially when I'm with somebody who I'm comfortable as a captain, you know, I know we're in good hands or whatever, but, uh, just being in the water for me, uh, just, it's not my jam. And like you kind of, I, I want to be able to get to the point where I figure out what is this like combination for me where I can, cause it's not getting sick. It's just this like anxiety thing. Mm. Uh, and my uncle drowned when I was a kid in front of my mm. family and it was just this traumatic thing. And I mm. think that's kind of where that stems from, but watching them just go down and dive down and catch dinner. And there was just something so like primally mm. rewarding about that whole thing. And to see my kid who's 12, just handle that you know i'm like that's pretty freaking cool absolutely yeah no it's it, it's it seems so cool i mean it's underwater hunting is all it is I yeah mean, that's that's and we we love hunting so mm-hmm. um i get your anxiety with water i i don't have it um i used to be a really nervous flyer i still am on small planes mm-hmm. so i understand the anxiety of like ah in the mm-hmm. water i feel awesome but my main hiccup was that freaking queasiness mm-hmm. but i took a heavier dose of Dramamine this time. And I also did patches behind both ears. Mm-hmm. Um, just some, uh, I don't know, some herbal thing my wife got. But anyways, uh, it was a totally different experience. Like I would, one if I lived right there, I would 100% own a boat and learn it. My dad was a commercial fisherman in the ocean. Um, and his dad was kind of salty too. So it kind of runs in my family and it's always bothered me that I can't do it because it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm like looking at boats now that we've got home, now that I've kind of figured it out, I, I definitely want to learn, learned, uh, the ocean, uh, more. And so like, you know, when it, when it's time for me to have my own boat, I can, uh, cause we have amazing salmon, as you know, yeah. Uh, like my, I have a lot of friends that go out almost every day this time of year and catch salmon out in the ocean. They're not going out very far. It's, it's not on the good days. It's not tremendously dangerous as long as you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's just something, I don't know again, but you know, finding time to do it right now is not necessarily going to happen with everything else going on, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's like adventure for later. Well, you know, what's better than having a boat, having a buddy that has a boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just need to have a couple good friends that have a boat and an area where you can jump on and yeah. do some fishing, but we're, yeah, I th- yeah. I think if you live on the water, I would want my own, but mm-hmm. like I live about an hour from any launch point into the ocean. Um, and unless you have like extended stints of time off, like it would be very difficult for me to hook up the boat, go out in the ocean for the morning and be back for work. Like that would be right. a pretty big day. Yeah. Um, but if I lived on the water, I would own my own. But yeah, I agree with you. It's it, it's hard to justify financially unless you can be out there like a bunch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what how many days it is, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. We, this is our second summer up here and we're figuring out like the fisheries and just getting a better feel for the water and stuff out here. And uh, we bought a 22 foot river Hawk and it's a great boat for us. It's perfect for what we're doing. And you know, the people that we're taking out and stuff, but now we're looking at a bigger boat and, uh, this would give us, I really want to be able to boat over because, you know, obviously up here on Baranoff, it's so 
logistically hard to get places unless you're either getting dropped off in a plane or if you have your own boat. So um, I really want to go over next spring and go hunt black bears off of Kuyu, which would be about a 110 mile run for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we could do it if we just pack some extra fuel on our boat, but mm, I'm like, man, it would be really comfortable with that, with that boat. It's got a cutty in it and everything. So mm-hmm we're trying to talk ourselves out of buying this other boat right now, but it's not going well so far, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not the greatest, it's not the greatest time to buy a boat, right? It's everything's so expensive. Yeah. Well, we're, we would get, yeah. Anyway, it, it would be a pretty good situation for us, but yeah, you think about things like, you know, it's got twin motors on it. So now we're spending double the fuel cost to, to cruise around. So maybe it's just one of those matters of finding a a friend up here that has a bigger boat that we could go over and Mm -hmm. hunt black bears off of uh, Kuyu. So that would be awesome. That would be so that, see, that's the type of stuff. That's such an awesome adventure, right? So it's great. So I did that this year with a girlfriend. We went up to Valdez and we, it was just, it's like the equivalent to what I would say, like black bear road hunting in Oregon. You know, you're just hitting all those different units mm-hmm. and driving up through the cuts and glassing, mm-hmm. but we're doing that from a boat and you know, you're surrounded by glaciers and icebergs and just the most it's, wow. it's truly Valdez was the most incredibly breathtakingly beautiful place I've ever been. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's stunning. They call it little Switzerland. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'll definitely go back there. But yeah, now it's got me kind of on this, this high of digging, hunting from the boat. So I'm like, how can we continue to, to do this and explore? So that if we get so that, fun. yeah, if we get that bigger boat, we'll have to have you up here and oh yeah, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have to twist my arm. Yep. Totally. So talk to me a little bit more about being on the Island. Uh, I feel like you and I are very similarly, uh, minded where sometimes those kind of checkout moments where you're in this bliss, you know, for what you, what you like and prefer, you have these moments like these aha moments. Do you have anything like that on this trip? Uh, so it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, infamously, uh, usually something very big happened in my life happens when I go to the islands. Um, go ranging all the way back to when I got engaged. Um, I got engaged there. I got married there. I lost my wedding ring there right where I got (laughs) engaged and right where I got married on a separate trip. My wife lost her wedding ring there on another separate trip. Uh, I decided to leave Sitka on another separate trip and she totally changed our life and moved back to Oregon on a separate trip. So like it usually is a place where I can dive pretty deep. Um, now it's a little harder with young kids, like sure. the vacation factor. Um, this trip wasn't so bad. The last time we went with the kids when they were younger was really tough, especially on my wife. Um, in terms of, it's just. But if you're it, when the times we've been there, just just us. Um, <clears throat> I've never found a better place personally that is so magically cleansing. Um, mm-hmm. Hunting is a different type of cleanse in my, but you come home and it's not like you're well rested or like, you know, you you might be clearer in the head, but you're like exhausted and Mm -hmm. sore and it takes a while to get back. But a a, a Hawaiian vacation done correctly, meaning when I say correctly, I'm not the type of person that plans something every day. I got to be doing something, doing something. I actually hate that. Um, I like waking up, drinking a cup of coffee having no agenda. The, the, the most stressful part of the day is figuring out if we want to go to the pool or the beach and what beach and what we're going to barbecue for dinner. And that, that to me is the ideal day. 
I do like doing some things, maybe two things per trip, three things. Like this time I hunted three days, for there 12 days. I hunted three mornings because um, the hunting is usually done by nine. It's so hot. You don't want to be out there anymore. Uh, and then we fished one day and that was good. I was totally satisfied. I didn't need to do, I, you probably could have talked me into going to fishing one more time, but, uh, I really just like relaxing and, and like reflecting and like trying to reset because mm. my life is so crazy right now. Um, especially professionally, I have to do that. Otherwise I hit massive walls. So, um, mm -hmm. I haven't found there, you know, everybody has their place. Um, to do what I just described. Some people go to Mexico, some people go here or there or wherever. Okay. And so a lot of people don't like Hawaii and that's fine with me. More the better. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, for me, it just, it's a magical place where usually I can dig pretty deep. And I came back feeling really refreshed uh, and like wanting to attack. Actually, a lot of things I've been putting off, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, well, I'm already planning the next adventure and, uh, we'll see when it is, but I might be back there in a few months to hunt more deer because the, the feast I put on the other night for the family, like everybody's like, holy shit. Like, what is this? It's so good. Yeah. I've never had access deer, but I've heard it's delicious and I really want it. It is. It is. We're trying to get over there next spring, uh, to do a little bit of hunting. I have family that lives over there, so we're going to go and see if we can do a little murder fest and put some nice. good meat in the freezer. And, uh, I'm curious though. I mean, I see you doing all the things, you know, you're doing music, you've got a family, you're, you know, working with businesses and working on marketing and brands and you've got your podcast, the altitude show. Like, how do you do so many things and wear so many hats without diluting the end result? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think you can. I, I think, uh, I think you're always going to be the, 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 the question is, is, is if I weren't to do what I, if I, let's just say I focused on one thing, one thing, holy, which I've never wanted to do. Um, the, the, the difference may be pretty significant, but I've become okay with not being perfect at everything. I'm, I've never been perfect at anything and I don't mm -hmm. think I ever will be. And I also never wanted to be hyper-focused on one thing my whole life. But that's just my personality. You know, we we need people like that. That's why you have the Tiger Woodses and the Michael Phelpses yeah. and the whoever's that literally are the best in the world at what they do. A, a, you know, top Olympic wrestlers and things, uh, Mike Tyson and whatever it might be. Um, but in the my I like adventure. I like novelty. I like challenging myself. I like learning. And that's why, like, when we started this off, like, even, you know, <laughs> I don't have any room for more hobbies. It's not like I need a boat or need to learn how to surf or, you know, deep ocean fish or any of that stuff. I mean, I'm pretty good at a few things already, but I want to because I like learning new things. So I, I look at business the same way. Like, I don't need to be the best podcaster on the planet or uh, the, the best own the, I own a real estate company. It doesn't need to be the best on the planet. It's doing very well the way it is and with how fast we're growing it and what we're doing. I guess I'm just kind of of the opinion that I'm not too worried about being perfect and having a little bit of dilution because mm -hmm. I enjoyed, as long as I'm working on projects I enjoy. Now, 
if I was working on a bunch of shit I didn't like, I, I, that's not good. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, I'm pretty, pretty happy with the projects I'm working on. I, I do always teeter on too many things. Right. Right now I'm trying to balance that and figure that out, but that's like a, a constant challenge because mm -hmm. then you, then I'll go, I don't, I, I have room for something else that would excite me. You know what I mean? So it's like this teeter totter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm there quite often because I feel similarly where, you know, it's not that I want to just be mediocre at things necessarily. I want to be efficient and effective and knowledgeable and, you know, give my best, but I have a really hard time just staying in one lane. I kind of want to be in one lane for a little bit, but then I also want to like take the gravel road and go see what's over here and dip my toe in this water. And I think sometimes for me, what I've been trying to like assess lately is does that, although I feel like it suits my personality, is that kind of highlighting some of the anxiety that I'm having around being overwhelmed or too much on my plate or can't get enough done in a day? Like, is that, is my personality what I am presuming I do because I enjoy it because it suits me? Is it also fueling the fire to having this like overwhelmed vibe? I don't know. Well, maybe the real <laughs> question, maybe the real question is, is you may think that you don't like being overwhelmed, but maybe you actually do. Have you been overwhelmed your whole life? Thrive in chaos. Um, no, I wouldn't know. Uh -uh. No, I would say I've been fairly like overwhelmed because I feel like, you know, spending almost 10 years as a single parent, mm. you, I've always had to juggle and maybe somewhere I've developed this like habitual overloading of myself because mm -hmm. I do feel, um, and I, this is something I've tried to work through a lot is I don't feel very valuable as a human being unless I'm being highly productive. Like mm -hmm. lazy down, you know, relaxed days for me, every time I have to battle, no, this is okay. Mm -hmm. You can do this. You can put your feet up. You can relax. You don't have to be doing something. And so maybe that's just kind of what I've learned out of repetition and experience. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just look at it a little bit differently. I think we've talked about this before. Um, I struggle with all the same things. I mean, obviously I have anxiety. Everybody knows that. I've talked about it. Right. Um, but I don't know when my anxiety is worse, if I have nothing going on or if I have too much going on. It's two different types of anxiety, mm -hmm. um, but it's both, both of them are anxiety. I feel like a piece of shit if I have nothing going on. And when I'm overwhelmed, yes, I have anxiety, but I'm also really excited. Like it's this, it's adventure. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm, I, I guess I, I guess you just have to determine which type of, I don't know if, if you have, if you're an anxious person, which I, I don't know you, um, in that regard, I, you may or may not just be a naturally anxious person. Um, I am, I think you're going to have anxiety. I have anxiety about not having anxiety. There's no place, <laughs> there's no time that I don't have anxiety. So I have to figure out what's healthier, having anxiety about having too much cool shit going on or having anxiety about having nothing going on. And I would rather have the, mm -hmm. you know, too much stuff. And what is too much stuff? I mean, we're only here for a very limited, finite amount of time. And if you're working on a bunch of positive things that energize you, having anxiety about those things is okay because that means it's pushing you and growing you. And 
if you don't have anxiety about what you're doing, you might not necessarily be evolving as a human or growing or learning new things, right? The things that stress you out, like positives, I'm not talking about like cancer or like, I'm talking about positive stressors in your life. Like you have this big presentation that you just want to nail, or you have this new podcast or, uh, you know, a new song coming out, whatever it is, those are positive stressors. That means that it's like pressing you to perform. And I guess I just, I look at that as a, a, a good thing. Not that it's always fun, you know, laying awake at night, stressing and spinning, but man, there's a lot of negative anxieties we could all have in our life too. So I, I think if you fill your fill your world with at least some positive anxiety, maybe that's not such a bad thing. No, I think it's a really good point. And it kind of holds us to set the bar a little higher for ourselves if we're trying to, you know, if we're worried about doing good enough on something or bringing something that's well-polished to the table, I think that that can be a really good thing to strive for. It's probably more a matter of, channeling the energy from anxious energy to, to positive, productive, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward. Normally when I get anxious about stuff like that, it's because I'm putting something off. It's because I'm not Mm. doing my homework. It's, it's not because I can't do it. It's because I'm dragging or like, maybe I have a day where I just don't feel like doing anything. Yes. Like uh, two days ago, I felt this way. Like this week when we got back from Hawaii, I'm stacked with so much stuff. Like my to-do list is completely and utterly unrealistic. And it, it was stressing me out at the beginning of the week. But what I've learned over the course of a lot of failure in time is, is like you just got to take little bites out of it and delete one thing at a time and don't delete it until it's done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's what is it, Thursday today? The next two days are insane too. But I feel a bit better. And I actually, you know how you used to feel when you did your homework at school the night before and you're like laying in bed and you're like, ah, oh, I feel pretty good. But before that, you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this. This mm-hmm. sucks. And you're like highly anxious. That's how kind of I feel in that world of chaos when I just I just focus on doing the tasks from day to day and not letting it overwhelm me and just working through them one by one by one, doing my homework and wake up the next day and do the same thing. It just keeps the anxiety at bay. It's still there. But again, I, I look at it as more of a positive stress than a negative one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. So you and I, Dave, talk a lot about productivity and you know, some, to some degree, some, some hacks, if you will, on how to be a little bit more proficient with your time. Uh, if people want to go back at 78 and 79 in those episodes, we talk about that. Um, and you give some really good pointers, I feel like to just managing, you know, um, the timeline of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really funny that you mentioned that because I, I, I often go through that whole role with my kids, you know, I've got a 16 year old and a 13 year old. <clears throat> and so, I'm always trying to get them to do their homework and they're just like any other human being where they want to procrastinate and they don't want to do it now because they would rather X, Y, or Z and they want to wait till the last minute. And it never fails that the moment they put that last number down or they write that last thing, there's just, you can, you can see this like weight lift off their shoulders. Like they feel so Mm -hmm. good and so accomplished. And it's the same thing, you know, as adults getting, you know, whether it's a honeydew around the house or if it's a work project or presentation like that. The moment that thing is is off the list and and done, it feels good. But or a I don't workout. Know. The or whole point workout. of a, the whole point of a workout is to stress your body so yeah. it grows. And I mean, work is not that much different than that. Like some like it, it's. I mean, 
the days you don't want to work out are the days you should work out. The days you don't want to work are probably the days you should yeah. work. Like, it, I think it's pretty similar. Um, again, there is negative stress that sucks. I'm not saying that. And there is positive stress that sucks. It's not, No stress is super fun. But uh, who told me this? It might have been uh, Hillary Lampers. Um, she was talking about positive stress. And I thought that was a really cool conversation. Um about bringing more positive stress into your life so that when negative stress comes, it's easier to handle. Mm. That's what working out is. You're creating positive stress in your body um, so that your body is healthier to deal with life. Um, your brain works kind of similarly. Like if, you, if, if you're used to a bunch of positive stress, when that negative stress comes, it still might suck, but I think it might suck less. Well, your body doesn't differentiate between what's positive and negative. It just takes mm -hmm. stress input. So mentally, that's where you have to, you know, determine what is, is this an input to me that is stressing my body and my nervous system, but it's positive for me or if it's not. And I think that that's why it's so important to find those times where you can relax, reset, go to Hawaii, do your thing because your body, that's the only time where your body is going to feel that lift. You know, you can, you can feel the difference in going to Hawaii you know, burnout, stress, needing the reset button and coming away from Hawaii or whatever that looks like for somebody and kind of going, okay, I have clearer vision. Now I can approach this with a fresh lens. Yeah. We're, we're also caught up in the weeds mm -hmm. that getting out of the weeds for, uh, even if it's just a few days, just so you can kind of see everything you're doing from above and go, Oh, it, and even just a good night's sleep and like a half day off can help a lot, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Um, it just makes everything a little clearer and like, you're like, okay, I'm ready to attack this problem that I've been putting off because it doesn't seem so bad now. It just seemed bad when I was exhausted. Talk to us a little bit about the altitude show. And, uh, I know that you've been pretty excited about that. It sounds like you've had some great guests. I, I can only imagine that in talking to some of these amazing people, you've had conversations that have really made an impression or left a mark. What have some of those been for you? I mean, all the ones I've, I've, I've recorded, uh, 28 episodes so far, including with you, Courtney, yeah. which will come out, I think in early August, if I remember right, I have to look at the schedule, but, um, I tried to take, so rewind. I, I want to do this podcast too. I know a lot of amazing people by virtue of my career path. I've got to meet a lot of people that frankly, not a lot of people either get to meet or spend time with. So I, I feel lucky. And I think it'd be a huge miss not to talk to them and document it. Um, and I'd rarely get a chance to talk to these people for an extended amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, so my goal was, like, and I always knew it kind of, it would, it, what would happen is these nuggets would fall out of these conversations. Um, and that's kind of how my brain works. I kind of, I don't remember the whole conversation, but I remember nuggets mm -hmm. um, from everybody. And all of them have been interesting in different ways. You know, I've, I've had everybody from, you know, like I, obviously I'm in the hunting industry, so I've had, you know, you and Randy Newberg and, uh, you know, Ryan Lampers and a bunch of other people for, like that are hunters, but I usually talk to them. Will Primos, I usually talk to them about life in general. I don't really spend a ton of time talking about hunting, although we do naturally go there. It's more about like operating a successful and creative life. Um, that's what I'm most interested in because that's what I want to do. It's not because I'm, I, I'm like this, you know, I, I might have some wisdom, but most of it I've learned from other people. Um, mm -hmm. so 
I try to take these nuggets. So I would say all of them have been really interesting. Uh, the most interesting thus far have been sort of the non-endemic people that I've got to talk to that I have never talked to. The one that sticks out the most in my mind is a, 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 a woman named Mace Curran. So Mace was a fighter pilot for the Air Force. Um, she served in Iraq. Um, and she worked her way into the Thunderbirds, which is like, if you've heard of the Blue Angels, the Blue Angels are the Navy's version of the Thunderbirds, which are the Air Force. They're like a, uh, they they do these shows, these air shows. They're like, a, what do they call expositions or whatever. Um, she was one of the first few women that ever served for the Thunderbirds. Very inspiring woman. Uh, very, very intelligent and strong and uh has like so many i can't wait the episode comes out uh next week um i can't wait to get it out there um just by it's just hearing from a world i know nothing about being a fighter Mm -hmm. pilot i know nothing about it i didn't even serve in the military so getting that perspective from her and and also like she used to fly upside down like within feet of other people going you know beyond the speed of she was anyways you should listen to the episode especially after i watched top gun a few weeks ago i wanted to (laughs) talk to her uh but anyways getting to talk to people like that expands my mind obviously even even my conversation with randy newberg i thought was incredible not because we talked about hunting because we really didn't talk much about hunting most people don't know that randy was a very successful business person before he was randy newberg I, i don't even think i can't remember the exactly but i think it was in his late 40s when he launched into like tv and media and stuff like that before that he owned a very successful cpa firm and he's one of the most intelligent people with numbers and money and investing that i've ever met in my life um and some of the nuggets on just managing finances and 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 things of that nature that came out of that podcast were just incredible for me and i think people are going to love that too because hunting is obviously with the exception of you and many other women, predominantly male. And most of us males are idiots with money. Um, and so I thought that was pretty cool to share some wisdom on money management. And anyways, all across the board, I'm excited. I had Koi, Koi Bowles from the Zach Brown band on the other day. Um, obviously he's led an incredible life with being one of the original members of Zach Brown band and their trajectory, but he's also a philanthropist and a, and giving back to his community and lives in his hometown where he grew up and just got an incredible story. So I'm trying to just have really real conversations and take things and, and I'm learning and my audience is learning at the same time. I think that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't need to start a podcast. I don't need any more work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I liked what you said. I, I saw it on social. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today. And you were talking about, you know, somebody asked me why start another podcast. There's already a million, you know, plus out mm-hmm. there. And, you know, it's about having that individual voice and your take, your perspective and the conversations that you can bring out of people that is so important. And I know that so many people feel this way, whether it's starting a small business or a podcast or, you know, there are so many different things where I feel like we already have a saturated market across the board pretty much, but how you do it is going to be differently. If somebody were to say to you right now, Dave, like, I really want to do this, but I can't quite talk myself out of the fact that there's already somebody else doing it. They're going to do it better than me. I don't know if I should start. What do you say? I would say the same thing I said on that video, which is there, there has never been a you and there never will be another you. The you are you right now. 
and you have a finite time on this earth and no one has had the life that you've had. No one has the, the creative ability that you have in your craft, whatever that might be, or like, I, I guess can, uh, can, can show it through the lens that you can because you're you. Like, I think people forget how crazy it is that, that, that they are the only one of them. And if they can just figure out a way to like authentically express that and be honest and don't worry about what everybody else, because I actually agree with them. If you just try to do what everybody else is going to do, then you, then you will fail. I mean, it, it, somebody else will figure out a way to do it better. But if you can figure out how to uh, showcase you, you, your original self, the self that scares the shit out of you to talk about, the self that you're, you think everybody's going to hate and you're not special and you're not interesting. If you can actually get the courage to show that, what you'll learn is, is you actually are interesting. You People do want to hear about it. And the people, your audience will build over time. It's not like a, there's this overnight key. I mean, um, if you look at even the most successful people in creative endeavors, if you actually dig into their stories, it took time. It's, it's, it, it's, it's a slow growth curve. But if mm-hmm. you consistently... If you can find that outlet, whatever it is for you, and you consistently put stuff out, you will find success in whatever whatever way you want to measure it. It doesn't mean that you're going to be rich or famous or the best, but you won't lay in your deathbed and regret not doing it. Isn't that worth something? I mean, I, I don't want to lay in my deathbed and go, God, I've always wanted to be a painter. Why the fuck didn't I paint? Why was I so worried about being Picasso or, you know, what, whoever, like, why couldn't I have just painted? Well, I feel like we spend so much time as a society trying to be like everybody else, trying to, trying to have the same look, feel vibe, um, to fit in. And I don't know if that's just to be like a socially accepted thing, but I, I could echo what you said about just doing it in your own way. And the more time you spend trying to, trying to mimic something else that's already established, the more you're just going to blend in with everybody else that's doing it the same way. If you can just find your own, your own imperfect way of showing up, if you try to look less like somebody else, you're going to stand out more. Yeah. I I truly feel that way. It's 100% true. Um, everybody's magic is themselves. You, your magic is you because there's not another you. I mean, and so the, the, and it's taken me a long time to realize this. Um, even in music, Courtney, like every time I put out a song that um, is a little bit more broad audience wise, it, it's, it's, it's okay. It does fine. But every time I put out a song that's actually totally 100% me, it crushes by my standard. Um, and every time I learn the, the, the continued lesson that you just got to be, it's not easy. A lot of people don't know who they are, though, is the problem. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, they haven't spent much time reflecting on really who they are because they've, been, they've built their life around pleasing other people. They've built their life about fitting in. And I think, it, I think it is a natural thing to do because we, we had to fit in for thousands of years. Otherwise, you'd be killed. If you were different, you'd be hung at the stake sometime. You know, you're, you're a witch or you're a weirdo or whatever. But now we live in a society that being different is, you know, there's never been a better time to be different. You know, no one's going to, 
we have a pretty accepting society as a whole. So I think it's a great time just to be you sit like, I can't remember who said this, but like literally turn your fucking phone around and say something to it that like say an opinion, say what you think on a current event, say something real that you that scares the shit out of you and hit post and just see what happens. It's, it's pretty incredible. Like the things that scare you aren't, Sometimes you might get a negative comment or two, but for the most part, people appreciate you just being real. We're mm-hmm. also sick of we're also sick of polished bullshit. Mm-hmm. We're all sick of it. Or mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that's why TikTok and um, Instagram Reels and like these things are popular right now is because the days of like posting a pretty picture with a witty comment and having a perfect Instagram grid that looks like an art gallery, those days are gone. People mm-hmm. are sick of it. They're sick of it. They want real. What do you think really, I mean, I can remember the moment I feel like I started to see that change, especially through social media platforms. But what do you think elicited that change of wanting, you know, to just be different and just to show up kind of with this unpolished version of ourselves? Because I think the the other trends were making people feel like shit. And I think people get tired of feeling like shit. And when they see something that they're like, oh my God, someone else feels that way, it makes them feel better about their life. And I think people want to feel better about their lives. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. You know, if you're scrolling through Instagram and a hundred things make you feel bad about your life, that's not fun. Like, that's not a good high. But if you get a dopamine hit off of something that, like, wow, this person I follow that I look up to has depression just like I do. Mm-hmm. holy shit it's not and i'm not saying that makes you feel good but it makes you feel like connected people want to connect more than ever especially after this stupid pandemic mm-hmm. you know connection is really important so i think that's why long-form content does so well now too because people are so sick of the mainstream media and these um just polished clickbaity things they want real con- they want real human connection we used to for thousands of years we sat around the fire and 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 uh and showcased our 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 we talked to each other about mm-hmm. good and bad things and we danced and we told stories like real stories and and myths and all that all that too but it was just more real you know and i i don't know i could go into a whole rabbit hole on that but i think that's why and i think it's good well, what's the rabbit hole? Keep going. Uh, I think that's also why I think connection is also why organic food movement, field the table, like all the th- like I feel like we're circling back a thousand years the more modern we get. Like, you know, uh being out the the whole outdoor industry crushed it during the pandemic. You want to know why? Because people miss being outside. And people missed being connected to nature. Um, I had Shane Mahoney on my podcast um, a little while ago. And for those that don't know who he is, he's like a pretty big dude in the conservation movement. He's from Canada. Um, and he's an amazing speaker. He, he's incredibly intelligent. I felt like a man. He, it, it was like a mental gymnastics having him on the podcast. It was I had to like take a nap afterwards, but, um, we were talking about on that podcast, how most people don't know it, but they miss nature. They miss connection. 
They miss being connected to people, food, all the things. We've lost connection by the more uh, the more technology has has taken hold, and and we can talk about that. It's not all bad, but we were talking about like Central Park, right? Like, why are there parks? Why do people have yards? Why do people have gardens? Well, the answer is easy. People miss being connected to Earth. And that may sound stupid. You're like, no, that's not why I have a yard. Well, then why the fuck do you have a yard? Why do you have a yard? Why do you plant plants? Why do you plant trees? Why do you have plants in your house? Why do you have dogs? Seriously, why do you buy organic shit? The reason is, is because we're coming back full circle to being connected to all the things. Um, he even argued like the reason we have yards the way that they look is because deep down it's like the African, it's the African, uh, it's the Serengeti. Our yards look like the Serengeti. That was his argument. Um, the point is, is I think it all connects. It's all interconnected. We want to be connected. And yeah. so that's, that's, I know that that's like super theoretical and philosophical, but that's my opinion. Well, it's funny though, because as individuals, we may be fiending for that connection and to have this sense of relatability with somebody. But I feel like the media is continually trying to produce the opposite effect. They're trying to, to uh, create division mm -hmm. and they're trying to almost highlight more, more of the problems that are sure. I mean, we can all admit that things are going on that, that we don't agree with, but I feel like the media continually tries to, whether they will admit it or not, create separation and division between us as humans. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's what, how they make money. I think the only reason that CNN and Fox news and all these different entities are even alive is because they have to create controversy and division to make money. I mean, so job security. That, yeah. That's the dark underbelly of capitalism, capitalism, which I'm a capitalist. And I love it. But every, every sort of financial system has its pluses and minuses. Um, that's how they make money. They make money on clickbait. Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately it have a, has a devastating effect on society. Um, that's, that's no good, but that's, but I do think that it's changing a lot with alternative media sources. Um, whether in it, not that some of the alternative media sources aren't creating division too, but at least people have somewhere to go where they feel connection. I mean, when I watch CNN and even sometimes Fox news, I'm like, I, it's totally obvious to me that this is only one-sided. This isn't even trying to be journalism. This mm -hmm. is just, this is just opinion, which is fine, but it's not like I'm like reading the real news. So I think over the course of the last five, 10 years, uh, with things like the, the Rogan podcast and even, uh, Ben Shapiro and whoever, Dave Rubin, uh, Jordan Peterson, like all of these different uh, individuals and intellectuals that are trying to bring different points of view into the world have, have helped a lot. Um, 
and it's allowed more people to actually feel connected to something that's not total bullshit and like uh surface level opinions and and political division um so yeah i don't know that's a that's another rabbit hole courtney mm-hmm. it definitely is and i yeah it's it's kind of disheartening sometimes to just look around you and just see how how much we're like longing for having a united society and how at the same time from every angle, whether it's social media or news media or even local community stuff, like there's just this dilution of congruency between. Yeah. I mean, even look at, even look at the awful, terrible, horrible event that happened a couple of days ago, the mass shooting in Highland park, Illinois. Um, the evidence that's come out so far, um, that I've read is that this kid was wanted attention so bad in all parts of his life. He, 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 he was dying for attention. Now, I don't know all the, the details of his family life or whatever, but I do feel like it is pretty apparent in this country that we've lost a lot of community connection and family connection, um, that we had 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you can blame it on social media. You can blame it on all kinds of things, but it doesn't really matter what you blame it on. It's real. Like we've connection has been lost in multiple regards. So people look for it in other ways. No, I think, I think you're spot on with that. And it's, it's just like this never ending battle in my opinion right now, because we're all pretty aware of it yet. Nobody's really doing anything to fix the problem. I think it has to start in your own household. Um, because in reality, there's not a lot one individual can do. It's got to almost start in every house and every community. It's like, and I've, I've been working on this myself. I'm no saint, like, because I travel a lot, like I lose connection with my family all the time and my kids and my wife. So I'm trying to do more date nights. I'm trying to like last night, every night I've been trying to go out and shoot baskets with the kids with no, no phones around, just the air and a basketball and laugh and uh, watch a movie, like be connected to those around you. And, um, I think there, it definitely doesn't not improve your life, you know, as long as the people around you are positive, mm-hmm. connect to the positive people around you, family, friends, community, you know, if you're religious, great. If not find something else as an outlet to connect to some community, um, whether that be like a, you know, whatever book club, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just, I think that that's what we've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the president can't solve that. Congress can't solve that. No one can solve it other than the individual. And it's like a groundswell up. It's a hefty task though, because, uh, multiple generations now don't necessarily understand the value of that. Well, and I think you bring up a good point too, honestly, and something that it's easy to get lost in the day-to-day hustle and grind and, uh, noise, you know, that we're surrounded with, whether that's, you know, a, a phone notifications or social media or connecting in things that don't really bring, um, meaning to your life, to your family, to your relationships. And that's something I think that we can probably all do better on. I know speaking for myself, there's times where, you know, and working from working from home, which I've done 
for years and years and years, even before the, you know, quote unquote pandemic, um, it's easy to have your phone on or to have the notifications come through or feel like you have to check or respond to an email right away. And that's definitely something that I can do better is, you know, I'll go out and play basketball. We'll go out and go fishing, but I'm always pretty conscious unless I'm like on a backcountry hunt or I'm just like gone. I'm always pretty conscious of like, oh yeah, I have to get back to that email and I have to produce this or I have. So I think just finding the mindset and really practice, just like working out, you know, you've got to practice that disconnection from so much availability on a, on a phone or laptop. Yeah. It takes work. It's hard for me to do too. Um, because if you're a self-employed individual, like last night on my real estate side, I had an email come in about a huge listing. It'd be a great win for us. I can't not respond to that. And I have to jump on it because there's 10 other companies out there that would kill to get it. Right. So you don't always have the choice, but 20, my wife always tells me this (laughs) 15 minutes, isn't going to matter. 20 minutes, isn't going to matter. Half hour is not going to matter. Even an hour, most of the time doesn't matter in most cases. So we all have to do a better job of disconnecting. I'm working on it too. It's, it's hard. Um, and even when I'm on that backcountry hunt, I stress out about it. I'm stressed about it the whole time until like day three. And then I'm like, ah, fuck it. It is what it is. I can't answer anything. So people will just figure it out. And they always do. Not sometimes they do. They always do. I'm different. As the moment I'm gone, I'm gone. And for hmm. me, I don't even, I don't even think about it. Um, you know, I might like, I like to write. And so I might be sitting there and all of a sudden I just think of something I want to write about and I'll, I'll get out my phone and start a note or something, but I'm pretty disconnected. Hmm. But, but the thing is, it is so easy for me to get back into the habit of like walking by the phone and like touching the screen to see like, Oh, what did I miss? Is there anything? So the moment like we're back in service, I'm not still in that, like, checked out zone. I'm like right back, like a light switch went on into like the grind of being at the mercy of notifications or emails or social media or whatever it is. So I'd like to do a little bit better job of exercising my resistance to giving a shit about what happens on my phone. And I think, you know, like you said, like last night you had that thing come up. If we're practiced enough through the rest of our lives that we're doing a good job and being intentional with spending that 20 minutes playing basketball or going to watch a movie with your wife or taking her out to dinner, whatever that looks like for, you know, each person, if we're doing a good job about that through the rest of our day, when those moments come that we have to, you know, jump right on something and miss dinner or miss, you know, the first 20 minutes of something, I think it gives you a little bit more leeway because it's not like a constant thing. It's just practice, 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 but yeah. The, the, the more you can do it, the better you feel like last night I had a crazy day. I, I didn't stop working until like six 30 or seven. And my wife finally told me, he's like, you know, it's okay to take a break. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So I went out and shot baskets. Even it was like 10 minutes, but it was so freaking cleansing. I'm like, ah, that was good. It's like, I'm going to stop for the rest of the night. There's nothing that I can accomplish tonight. That's going to really change that much. Right. Sometimes it's just breaking the chain though. Because if you get into a grind and you're in a flow state and you're just like in it, it's it's harder to stop yourself than when you, like you said, your wife came in and asked you to stop. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I can pull myself out of this for the day. Like what is that mm-hmm. disassociation that 
once you're out of it, you're out of it. Is it just a flow state thing or what do you think that is for you? Yeah, it must be. It must be because it's like a light switch. I'm like, oh, I've, okay. I can just, because if I get going on something, especially something creative, which is usually the things I'm working on, stopping halfway is bad because I'm in that state, flow state or whatever you call it, where it's like, I really feel, and it takes me, I might not be able to get back into that. Even yeah. if I start it the next day, I might look at it and be like, ah, what, what the hell was my train of thought on this? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but you definitely got to break that chain. And my, my dad always, always, always reminds me of this because he's 70 now and he's really good at this now. Cause he doesn't give a fuck. He does not like, he's like, I don't care who emails me. I'm going fishing because you know what? In the next 20 years, I'm going to die and I'm not going to care about that email. So I'm going fishing and I'll do it when I get back. Um, I can't remember if I told the story on this podcast or another one, but I had an extremely stressful situation about a year ago. Me and my dad were dealing with and uh, (laughs) the morning it was all blowing up. Like the world was coming apart. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to go fishing. I'll call you later. I'm like, dude, you're going fishing right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm going fishing. Fuck it. There's nothing that's going to change between now and two o'clock. He's like, just I'll call you when I get back. We'll deal with it then. And of course, I'm like pulling my hair out, wanting to solve the problem. But I learned something in that moment because he was right. It didn't get solved. It took like two weeks to solve it. You know, it wasn't something that was going to be dealt with immediately. So like this irrational uh, thought that I can just immediately change the world in the next hour is especially when there's big problems, it's not true. So you have to just take a breath and deal with it as it comes, but not be afraid to take the breaks. So I feel like that's just a matter of a difference in personality. I mean, or do you, yeah. do you, do you agree? Or do you feel like there's a way you can practice your way out of that? Well, yeah, uh, it, it definitely, he has a different person. He doesn't have the anxiety that I do. Um, but if I let my anxiety control my life, I would make awful decisions and I would never do anything. So I have to, I have to train to not do that. Um, not always. Sometimes you have to deal with the problem right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And as, as a younger entrepreneur and business owner, I don't have the liberty of just, uh, I I still have the, I still have to make hay the next 15 years. So, I'm kind of, you know, I got to pick and choose the battles and when, how hard I fight them and what times. But in general, I have to have the, the mind control to take a breath and not make rash decisions and sometimes even just put them away for the day. And like, kind of like when you get that email that pisses you off and you start typing and you're just like, I want just to, I'm going to respond right now. Mm-hmm. those are usually the best ones to just put away in your drafts, get a good night's sleep, drink a cup of coffee and then respond to it. It's similar to that. That's what I have to do with extremely stressful situations with my anxiety. Otherwise I make short term decisions to ease my anxiety, but they're not the best decision. Sometimes conflict, conflict has to get worse for maybe an extended amount of time, but in order to get the best long-term result. Mm -hmm. But with my anxiety, with conflict specifically, I want to solve the conflict. I want to make it better immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas my dad, he's like, no, fuck him. Fuck him. 
I'm going fishing. I will get to their concerns later. And honestly, I don't agree with their concerns and I don't have any desire to um, just make them feel better. They're wrong. Whereas sometimes I'll be like, well, let's just make them feel better and like move on. Right. You know, like let's, (laughs) let's all get along. Um, that's something I've always had to work on and I'm, I'm definitely better at it than I was even 10 years ago or five years ago, but that's more where that comes from. The knee jerk reaction thing for me gets me a lot. And I've learned, I feel like, I don't know if it's age or therapy or what, but I've learned that I like you need to, I need to, I don't always do it, but I need to just walk away and take a break from it because typically what I what comes to mind or what could come out in a keyboard, uh, through an email. It's not always how I feel. It's the emotion of it. It's not the logic. And I think Mm -hmm. differentiating logic from emotion for, for myself, but I think for a lot of people too, is pretty, pretty hard to do. Yeah, it for sure is. It, it's really hard to do. I used to work with somebody that they, they shouldn't have a keyboard at night. Um, because the, the, the late night emails were not pretty. And so we had to coach him, hey, dude, <laughs> take sleep on it, buddy. Mm-hmm. Send it the next day because this is not productive. It makes everything worse. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter how pissed you are, just put it away, close your keyboard, lock it, give it to your wife, and send the email the next morning and everything would be better. But, you know, it's just personalities. Um, some people, everybody handles things differently but that's that's one of the things i work on is specifically with human to human conflict is it can't always be solved right now most of the time it can't and sometimes a lot of times the conflict actually has to get better to create the end result that you desire i mean the conflict has to get worse um to create the end which sucks if you're like an anti-conflict person like i am that's like the worst, you know, that you're going to be like, no, you know, you're not fixing the problem immediately, but it's mm-hmm. the better for the long term. especially mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship, this happens a lot in marriages, right? Like, you know, if you're the, usually there's a spouse that's the, uh, sort of the more hard headed, like likes to kind of likes a good fight, you know? And then there's the other one that just wants to make peace and drink a beer and move on and go to bed and forget about it, sweep it under the rug. Usually they're both wrong. There's like a middle ground, like it needs to be dealt with. Otherwise they just add up and that's how divorces happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it can be the same way with like parenting. And that's something that I've had to learn a little bit, especially with having a 16 year old, um, bless his heart. He is uh, me reincarnated as a teenage boy. Um, cause I was a complete handful for my parents, but I find that I have to, I need to learn to do a better job of biting my tongue because he, in this situation wants to say the things that knows pushes buttons and ruffles my feathers. And even, you know, coworkers can be like that. Bosses can be like that. People want to do that. And I think if you can learn to like tame what that knee jerk reaction is, you can find a little bit more inner peace down the road, but you can also kind of like mitigate some of these arguments or disagreements in general by just letting, not necessarily sweeping things under the rug. Cause I don't think that that's necessarily the right way to approach it. But I think if you can just like give it airspace, typically mm-hmm. it's not necessarily as big of a deal as what it seemed like in that initial. Oh, it, every, what? 
my mom told me something one time. It's like, everything's better the next morning. I love that. I love that. So true. Things are a little lighter the next day. It might not be all the way better, but it's a little bit lighter, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can be like, ah, yeah, that was stupid, you know. Because emotion is king. Yeah. Because in the heat of the moment, yeah, all you can feel is the emotion of whatever the email was or the comment was or, you Mm -hmm. know, like those things are what gets us in trouble. It's that emotion Mm -hmm. versus logic. With that said, to your point, like especially if you're in a company or in a relationship, you can't, it's not good to not say anything, but you have to find a way to, to, to deal with the conflict that's productive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, otherwise you, if you just stuff a bunch of stuff away, it, it builds up into a snowball that you're going to have to deal with someday, yeah. <laughs> you know, whether that be through unhealthy means by self-medication or therapy or just a blow up, mm-hmm. it's better just to kind of let the pressure out yeah. incrementally. I agree. And it always feels so much better when you do. It's just like getting the homework mm-hmm. done, you know, weight off your mm-hmm. shoulders kind of thing, typically. Yeah. And it's always, it's never as bad either. It's never as bad as what you picture in your mind when you have to con- have conflict with somebody. You're like, oh my God, this is what they could say. This is what I could say. And you get in the conversation like, ah, it wasn't so bad. Like, you know, sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. But most of the time before replying to the email or having the hard conversations, what we do is we have these like, made up narratives, you know, these two way conversations Mm -hmm. or these two way email exchanges in our head of like, I'm going to say this and they're going to say that. And it's like, none of that, like you just said, usually even comes true. It's just this like manifestation of some bullshit conversation in your head, almost like helping you feel better about your emotional response to something. I think it's also survival mode, right? We've been, we've been wired for survival. So like, if you're going into a dangerous situation, you are thinking about the worst possible outcomes and how you would get out of that. So like, what's the worst possible thing this person could say to me? How could I respond and and defend myself? Right? So like your brain's like, this is survival mode. And, uh, I, I, most of the time we get in there and it's not, it's not necessarily dangerous or, you know, it's not, it's definitely not as usually as bad as we think it's going to be. It's, it's just a, it's a conversation unless, you know, I'm sure there are conflicts that are dangerous, obviously, but usually in the workplace or in a marriage, if it's in halfway healthy marriage, you can usually have a, a productive conversation without getting it, uh, super heated or mm-hmm. personal or as long as you wait and take a breath. I, I had some terrible conversations in professional life, awful that were really unproductive and stupid. And most of the time it was because they happened probably too quick, you know, and they needed to be both humans needed to be, including me, had to sleep on it before you let the emotions take hold. I'd agree with that for sure. So switching gears here just a little bit, talk to us about what's coming up for you, what you're excited about and uh, what's on the horizon. Well, as you mentioned, I launched the altitude show, uh, four or five weeks ago. Um, I plan on doing that every week from here to whenever I decide not to do it anymore. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm having fun conversations. Uh, I'm continuing to build, uh, my real estate company. I'm continuing to launch new music. I just put out a song this week. I'm going to put out a song every 45 days for the next few months. Excited about all that. Um, I'm excited about being home for a little bit before hunting season. (laughs) 
I, I like I'm getting to be a homebody, Courtney. Um, even you though have I, no way. <laughs> I travel quite a bit, but when I'm home, I love it. Yeah, uh, and I feel better. Yeah, um, I'm excited about hunting season. It's not very far away. Um, I'm starting to think about that. I'm starting to dream about elk every night. Um, and yeah, I'm just ex- I'm I'm the, I'm the most excited about life than I've been maybe in my whole life. That's awesome. Yeah, what- and that that doesn't mean everything's perfect. I mean, it's total right. chaos. Um, but I'm finding peace in the chaos. So what is it like to, to produce music? Are you doing that primarily when you're traveling or are you producing from home as well? No, I don't do anything from home other than write. Um, uh, I have professionals that produce it. So basically what happens is I'll write a song by myself or with somebody else and then I will take it to Nashville. And you basically, if 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 you can put your ego aside, which I can, you say, hey, professionals, make this the best that it could possibly be. And then you shut your mouth. <laughs> and what comes out the other side is usually amazing. Um, and that's what that's what I choose to do. Um, I don't have the time or ability to do it at home. I mean, I can do like like really rough acoustic stuff at home just for demos or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm just, you know, with the music stuff, I'm just continuing to release music. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy playing. I'm, I play shows during the summertime locally and some regionally. I just got back from Montana a couple weeks ago playing. Um, but the goal is just to keep putting it out because I like doing it. It's, it's, yeah. that's all, you know, that's, that's the whole story. And, and people are like, well, don't you want to, you know, you could, that could be on the radio or whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe, but that's not necessarily my goal. I guess that'd be, yeah, I wouldn't turn it down, but my goal is just to keep, it's kind of like going back to what we said, there's no shortage of musicians putting songs out. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it, the healthy way for me to look at it is I'm going to put my own, my songs out the way that I want to and continuing to grow the podcast and the music and my businesses. And cause I enjoy doing that and the outcomes are sort of secondary. Obviously I have to make money. Um, but as long as I, as long as I am attaining my life goals, I'm happy. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it seems like you're yeah. in a really good place. You know, you've always brought a lot of insight to people listening in and to myself as well, just how to, how to balance a lot of things. And I think what we hear often is that, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. And I think it kind of gets drilled down into us that if we're doing too many things, the end product is just diluted and not worth a shit. But I like your perspective today. And it was actually the very opposite of what I've, I've been thinking and listening to lately in some other podcasts is that, you know, you really have to just kind of reduce the amount of, uh, productiveness. You have to reduce the amount of things that you're working on to do a good job at something. And your kind of, um, resonance with saying, you know, I'm okay with doing several things and not being perfect at them is kind of a breath of fresh air. So I appreciate that perspective for sure. Something I'm going to continue to think about a little bit. I think the trick is though, the trick is, is, and you saw this in my response to your music question. It's definitely true in my real estate company it's true in everything I do is you have to surround yourself with people that are really, really, really good. And it makes everything that you're doing better. Um, I don't have to be perfect at everything I do because 
I I put my ego aside and let people help me that are really damn good at all the different yeah. levers. You know, like doing a pod. I don't have to be perfect at a podcast because I have amazing guests on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, totally. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think where people falter is is trying to do it all perfect by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's no better example than Elon Musk. Elon Musk runs the biggest companies on planet Earth. He's not a rocket engineer or a, he doesn't know how to make a car. He doesn't know how to build solar panels. I mean, yeah, he probably knows a lot more than I, and most of us do, but he doesn't yeah. know actually how to do it. The, the reason he, he can do multiple things at once is because he builds amazing teams and amazing infrastructures. Right. And all he really has to do is drive vision, which vision can't be perfect and it never will be perfect. It's a, it's an, it's, it's, it's a intangible, it's a, it's magic, it's Mm -hmm. philosophy and theory. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. Well, and, and vision to one person is you can have the same conversation talking about the same objectives, but the vision that two people can have is completely different, which is what makes it so great. That's exactly right. And that's what makes it so, there will never be enough of any one thing because it can always be tweaked or changed or, Mm -hmm. you know, have a different spin or a different thing put on it that makes it so great. That's right. Exactly. Where can people find you? Reach out, hear your music, tune into the show, all the things. All the things. Uh, So the Altitude Show can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts from Spotify to Apple, all the places. Um, I also have a website, altitudeshow.live in which I put, there's a blog post, um, on all the episodes, um, and a bunch of more cool stuff. Um, music can be listened to anywhere, Spotify, iTunes, all the different places you listen to music. Just search Dave Brinker. You can also follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Um, subscribe to the YouTube, putting out a lot of content, have a lot of plans for more content. Um, and Yeah, I I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun conversation, Courtney. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.